Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchie. Coach, how are we doing over there in Maker Nation? Hey, doing really good, Brian. We're winding down the school year here, and which that means the spring sports is getting the tournament time. You know, you got the regionals and sectionals, state, and the big performances are starting to come up. So super exciting, and the weather's getting a lot better as well. Yeah, it's 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 really fun to see some of the different, I think, cross-state competitions. You know, teams now are starting to travel more and get out with baseball and, and, and softball. And, you know, the track um, regionals are coming up here in next, next week. We've got a lot of kids. Obviously, you've got a lot of throwers. And it just goes back to just watching kids compete is, is definitely something really fun. It's why we love doing what we do, obviously. And it's really, uh, really fun to be a sports performance coach with these athletes because that's really where their time is. And I think track is a great sport to utilize that because it's an individual sport and it's a team sport. And so you have to understand what each athlete needs as they're going through regionals. And then you have very few athletes that make it to sectionals and then go to state on what they need to be doing in the weight room to make sure that they're, you know, continuing to build their strength and their explosiveness, but not doing too much. Um, and I think working with sport coaches is very important on that and understanding what they're doing, you know, on the track. It's the same thing with baseball. You know, maybe a guy's thrown a lot of innings, but you know, they're, they're going to a regional final and you need this pitcher to throw. Well, what's going to make sure he's going to be able to make it through that game at his highest level and, and be safe and, and be healthy. Yeah. I think the biggest thing right now is kids got so much, so many things on their plate. We've mentioned that lots of times, Brian, but you know, football camps are going to be start coming up and, and, you know, and kids are, are doing tryouts for, you know, different types of, you know, sport programs or college coaches that come in, recruiters come in. And, and, you know, I think athletes got to understand this is the time that they have to focus, you know, and, and really do the best job they can individually for themselves and for their team. And I, you know, I, one of the things I always mention is hey, when it comes to the end, you know, you need to tell, college recruiters that you know you'll work out when your spring season is over here but right now your main focus is being your best and helping your team in the postseason try to accomplish you know that ultimate dream of winning a uh, championship and dean i think we're starting to go a little overboard on all these prospect camps and things like that I, i tell you what high school athletes you want to get seen put out some good film Put out some good film. And, and the second part is do it when you're on campus. You know, I just saw a, a tweet yesterday, and I, I don't know how far down this rabbit hole I want to go right now, Dean, because we got some other things we want to talk about, but a camp for fifth through eighth graders, a prospect camp. Now, let me tell everybody here a story, okay, on, on something like this. When I was working out with, with Logan Bruss, right after he got drafted by the Rams, and, you know, I was talking to him, I said, Logan, I said, when you played youth football, I said, do you ever think? you know, that, that this would be an opportunity for you. You know, this was like right after he got drafted Dean and, you know, we were talking about it and um, you know, Logan's a pretty reserved kid, right? He, he just comes in and he works and he goes, coach, I, I was running the ball back then. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, like I am now. And so like, if you're in fifth through eighth grade, get better at your sport and, and start training and start to get better. So you're more durable going to a prospect camp when you're fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth grade, um, you know, parents, I, I just feel like you're wasting your money on this. And it's you're chasing something that, you know, you should be chasing 
the fundamentals of the sport that you play or sports. Hopefully you're playing multiple sports. You should be finding a place for your son or daughter that's going to take care of them from a training aspect for if they're in sixth grade, six, seven years. I mean, we have sixth graders needing to train with us. And my message to parents is, God, I can't wait till he's a senior or she's a senior, you know? So I think we got to start make back to what Joe said, you know, in our podcast, Joe Thomas, make the main thing, the main thing. And two, let these kids be kids. Good God. Like you can't tell me that you're going to get a great evaluation of a sixth grader running a, a three cone drill and then a broad jump. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that's really goofy. And it, you know, it's just, it's kind of frustrating to see because I think parents, parents, you have to educate yourself a little bit better on some of this stuff because um, you know, these things are going to start creeping into your lives and you really have to understand, you know, what's the best bang for your buck. You know, Brian too, is I really think, which I really like is, you know, I'm obviously a throws coach at the high school level. And it's just so great. No matter, you know, so many kids get in that mindset of, you know, obviously everybody wants to win, but the nice thing with some of these sports is, is just the opportunity one to compete. And we know how important that is because in the pandemic, a lot of kids lost their spring season during that COVID year. And then also just the opportunity to get a PR. And we, yes. we always say a personal record is a PR. And if it's two inches, it's two inches. If it's two feet, it's two feet. But everybody has, has got that opportunity. And you might not have won the meet, but you won individually. And understand, too, that it's not going to be a straight linear curve, that there's going to be some ups and downs with that. And that's one of the things athletics really teaches us. Honestly, when they get done with high school, most people are going to be done with their athletic career but they're going to understand there's ups and downs in life, you know, and that's just the way it's going to be. And not every day is going to be a vacation. And those are the life lessons that, you know, there's a reason why we do what we do, Brian. Right. Well, Dean, I think, you know, let's get into our topic at hand here. Um, you know, this week on Twitter, a, a video surfaced of one of our, you know, guys that we look to as, as a, as a mentor, even though I've never met Buddy Morris, but um, you know, a pioneer in strength and conditioning came out talking about Olympic lifting you know, for athletes and why he doesn't do Olympic lifting. And we touched on this in one of our previous podcasts about, um, about exercise selection and making the right selections for your athletes. So we wanted to dedicate a podcast to this today and just talk about, you know, the reasons why we don't Olympic lift and, you know, some of the, some of the different variations we use and, it's not because we don't think that the Olympic lifts are good exercises. I think we want to be clear on that. We're both in scenarios as are a lot of our coaches and athletes where time is very important and the Olympic lifts. And I've done them at Wisconsin. I think everybody who follows my, my Instagram page saw a, a video clip that I put out this week of some different cleans and some PRs that we hit at Wisconsin. And, and yeah, the reason we did it back then is because I had six, seven months to train guys technically um, in groups of two to start working on those movements. Most of us don't have that kind of time to do it. And that's, you know, the first thing that I think really holds everybody back is having the amount of time to teach the, you know, technical aspects of an Olympic sport to middle schoolers and high schoolers. Brian, I think you hit it head on right there because, you know, at the high school level, I'm going to speak from that level because that's where obviously that's the realm I'm in. But 
you know, if you are getting, if you are developing a good culture. So a lot of the questions I get from high school strength coaches is, you know, first of all, maybe they're just starting out. How do you build a culture in a weight room? Right. Well, you have to get kids excited to lift weights. That, that is number one. And then they got to understand the why, of why lifting weights is going to help them from an athletic performance and an injury prevention scenario. So that is number one. And then, you know, how you do everything in there, I always think it's risk versus reward. Correct. And we want to make sure that, you know, we're enhancing their ability to do whatever sport that they choose to do. And there's so many multi-sport athletes in high school, and obviously that's what we want. But if you build a good culture in a weight room, you're going to have lots of people lifting. And, you know, when I was at Oshkosh North, we kept building every year, we kept building and more and more kids were lifting weights and more and more sport programs were lifting. Then at Kimberly, boom, it just exploded with the number of athletes that wanted to, student athletes that wanted to continue the lifting. And, you know, everybody thinks, yeah, it's, you know, it's a football lifts weights, but every sport is lifting weights nowadays. I mean, let's be honest, the evolution of strength conditioning and for all sports, you know, because of social media, there's so many videos out there. There's so much information. Every sport is doing some kind of training. I know if you're not doing some kind of training, those you're kids way are behind. Right, yeah. Way behind. And I, and I believe they're getting cheated and their injury risk goes up in my opinion. Right. right? Yep. Because the weight room is such a good environment to educate kids on how to take care of their body. We talk about eating right, sleeping, you know, making sure they're getting good nutrition, fruits and vegetables for health, lean protein for muscle recovery. So it's a great environment to really educate kids on how to perform better. And they need it. They need to hear that message daily because a lot of that stuff is so easy that they just don't continually do it. And they have to understand the importance of it. So Dean, you know, I think one of the, interesting things is that a lot of people associate Olympic lifts with being a better player, right? If you're going to clean, you're going to be a better football player. Um, you guys won 70 games in a row, five state championships. How many cleans did you do in that weight room? We did zero, zero. We did so, zero. And, and I think it goes, it also goes to other movements in the weight room. Let's not, you know, say, you know, box squatting to me is our, one of our foundational movements at sports advance because we use the conjugate method. Uh, box squatting is going to make our kids a better athlete from different parameters. It's going to strengthen their hips and hamstrings more than a traditional squat. In my opinion, it's going to build uh, a more mobile athlete because you are teaching the athlete to go to a certain distance. They're not high squatting anything you do in the weight room, basically. And again, this comes back to something and buddy Morris says, what can you do and what can't you do to allow your athletes to do what they do? Our job, and I, th I want everybody to hear this. This is something I'm very passionate about. Our job as sports performance coaches is to give the sport coaches a better product year in and year out. So what does that mean? First and foremost, you touched on it, injury prevention. Can we make the kids more durable? So do overuse injuries go down? Do hamstring pulls go down? Do shin splints go down? Do, does bicep tendonitis and, and shoulder and tendonitis go down? because of your program. If it is, you're successful. We can't, we can't prevent every injury in the weight room. We can't, you know, prevent the kid jumping in the air and landing on another kid's foot. That's not, that's nobody's fault. Um, but what can you do and what can't you do to allow them to do what they do? The next thing is, are they more explosive? So in other words, how do you test that? Well, how high can they jump? 
and you can use a, a different formula based on their body weight. I think people that follow me see that we're putting out some stuff based on body weight and dumbbells they hold for power production. Are they stronger? And yes, coaches, you need to test your athletes. All right, people that say you shouldn't test kids in the weight room, that's, that's not correct. And that's not okay. That is your evaluation process for your kids. And trust both of us, the kids want to test. They want to see their improvement. They want to understand where they're at. So you take all these parameters as a sports performance coach, explosiveness, mobility, durability, strength, power, speed, absolute speed, and you put this into your program, what can you do in your program that's going to give you the best bang for your buck? And after you've done all this with these kids, you hand it over to the sport coach, and then it's the sport coach's job or the person they're going to for private lessons or all the other skill development they do to take that product and make these kids better at their sport. We've lost that, Dean, in, in, in society. Everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to go. You know, people are like, well, well, what do you do for, for volleyball players? We box squat. Well, what do you do for cross-country runners? Uh, we box squat. Uh, the one that just ran at the Olympic trial, we box squat her. What do you do for a diver? We box squat her. You know, four-time state champion. Uh, what do you do for a woman's basketball player? We box squat her, player of the year. So at the end of the day, you're developing physical parameters to build better athletes. Coaches, your job is to make them better at their skill. You know, going back to fires me whole, up. Yeah, the, the, going back to the whole situation, you know, at the high school setting is we have so many numbers, Brian, and it would just be an injustice to really be able to teach the cleans with the number of coaches, the number of kids, and the variety of skill level from everybody from freshman to high school. And then, you know, it just got to be so overwhelming of trying to get middle school kids to do a progression all the way through, making sure we're working on a ton of mobility. And we, I, we just figured out it was a lot quicker, a lot more bang for our buck to be able to get kids strong, especially because we're dealing with a lot of beginners and a lot of intermediate athletes. And we were using our time much more wisely and, and kids were getting stronger. And therefore, because they're beginners, they're running faster, they're jumping higher right off the bat right away. And it was a lot less stressful on our coaches. And as you know, Olympic lifting is so technical. And, you know, it's kind of like the situation or the scenario where the person becomes a black belt, but now you don't do it for, you don't practice it for a couple of years and you lose your skills very quickly in that. So you have to be doing it all the time. And it's such a big difference as far as the time that the kids got to put in it. There's always got to be a progression for it. You got to be working on those skills. And what I found out is a lot of the great athletes obviously they could clean better because they're great athletes. Just like right. they can pretty much do any type of movement, you know, in, in their sport or in the weight room. And they're going to stand out because they are athletically gifted. However, when you look at the weight room, we're trying to get everybody better. It's not just an elite crew that we are going to do stuff with. For example, in my younger days, we would do uh, hang clean, for example, with the skill kids, for example, in the football program, you right. know, and the bigs would power clean because, you know, you went to a clinic, you read an article, you went to a football conference or a strength conditioning conference and somebody said, Hey, this, you have to do this. You know, this is what shows the studies show that this is the best thing. Well, the really, the best thing is what you do, what you know, 
what works in your program. And like you said, when you're with those Wisconsin, those D1 athletes, and you're working with two guys in the clean, and one, you're knowledgeable, and you're certified, and you know how to coach it, and these guys want to learn it. That's the other thing, Brian. Not every high school kid wants to learn this complicated movement. Right. They don't want to put the time. They're more worried about becoming a better volleyball player, basketball player, soccer player, whatever sport that they play. They don't want to be sitting in there and getting more stressed out and trying to learn a complicated movement that, let's be honest, is an Olympic sport. Correct. Correct. So, you know, this way we just got those kids in there. Hey, <laughs> We got them really strong and we found out other ways that we could try to get that explosive, you know, hip hinge movement, the triple extension of the ankles, the knees and the hips in a much safer way. And, and, and the kids really enjoy it much better and they can do it. And, you know, something is taking a med ball, teaching it. We're going to throw it, you know, underhand overhead backward toss and every kid can have some success. No one gets hurt. Everybody can go to their level. You got different weighted, med balls that you can use and, and all of this stuff. So it just really was a much better situation in our setting to, to, to help with our kids. And I know you're the same way, Brian. Well, in our setting too, Dean, you know, I, I can use the example of our, our morning crew, you know, that's very consistent and, and in the private sector, which is what I'm in, you, you get a lot of fluctuation of when kids come and when they don't come. It's not like the school setting where kids can train during school. My, you know, our time is before school or after school into the evening. Well, some kids have lacrosse practice two days a week. Some kids have baseball practice two days a week. And so you're, you're not getting kids on a regular basis. And so that teaching progression that needs to happen. So that, that's another thing, coaches, if you're like, well, we're going to, we clean. Well, what do you do to teach? Oh, we just, you know, teach the power shrug and, and then they would go to no that's not okay that's not you know you have to be in depth with the progression or kids will get hurt and you won't get the benefit out of it you know doing an exercise to do it is one of the worst ideas you can have as a strength and conditioning coach you got to define what your benefits are going to be from it and then measure them and so from our perspective dean the time aspect comes back to it and the risk reward you know, teaching kids that are in and out periodically, you're just not going to get a good foundation. It'd be like anything. It'd be like learning how to throw when you're a kid. Which kids are the kids that throw the best, you know, as far as like from a baseball or softball perspective? The kids that play catch every day with their parents. Not the kids that go out and throw with the with a private lesson once a week and don't do anything else. And it's, like, it's the same thing kicking a football. The kids that kick the best are usually the ones that do it the most. So with technique training and anything in the weight room, um, the kids that do it the most are going to be the best and they're going to learn the quickest. And so if you're not doing that as far as building in constant technique work, again, to me, you're just wasting your time trying to do these exercises. And we, we haven't even touched on the snatch yet, which people do as well, which is completely bastardized as far as how people teach it. And you see so many shoulder injuries from kids that are swinging the barbell up over their head, you know, but we're not even going to really go into that today. Yeah, Brian, I think, you know, as high school coaches out there, I think so many high school coaches feel pressured and that they think they have to do it. I think that's the trap that I got put into right away. And believe me, I, you know, we do, we do what we do to do what's best for kids. So I was reading every article I could, you know, about 
all the types of Olympic weightlifting. I went and got certified in USA weightlifting. And, you know, as I went through that course and I was seeing all this stuff that they're doing, I'm like, wow, this is really an Olympic sport. I mean, the technique that the instructor was kind of going over and, and pinpoint and trying to figure out what the flaws were. I'm like, wow, it looks perfect to me. And they were picking up five, six things that these professionals were doing wrong. And so don't fall into that trap, high school coaches. You can have a very good strength and conditioning program. And I think, you know, the, the best thing that like Joe Ken says is, you know, when it talks about what a strength and conditioning program can do for your school, for your athletes, for your sport programs is give kids confidence. And if you get a kid hurt in the weight room, that doesn't help their confidence at all. Right. And it certainly don't help your relationship with the sport coach if that individual gets hurt in the weight room. Because if they're going to get hurt, they should get hurt on the, you know, on the field, on the court, on the track, whatever. So don't feel pressured to do that stuff. And I know that was one of the things you read the article and hey, this is supposed to be so great for you. The bottom line is, are they getting faster? Or are they jumping higher? Yep. And if you're getting results and you can do that in a safe manner at the high school level or in your situation, why would you change? Why would you change? I think that's big thing that coaches have to answer. And if, if you decide to do it, you got to marry it and make sure you're doing it right. Because like you said, Brian, even with great athletes, we've seen videos out there on Twitter, Instagram, some of these great athletes, they, they might be able to successfully perform the lift, but is it with great technique and is it a healthy way for perform, you know, for sports performance? And most of the time, Dean, when you watch it, most high school kids aren't getting triple extension anyways. Correct. So, so at the end of the day, if that's, if that's your goal, and I know we're going to get people that will probably message us and say, well, then what do you do instead of that? Well, Dean, I got some math for everybody that I've, I've prepared. Um, but what we do, and the other thing, too, before we even go into this, Dean, is like, what's to say that that doing Olympic lifts are the reason why you're getting faster and the reason why you're jumping higher. The only way to know that those are the reasons why is to eliminate sprinting and jumping from your program. Do, do you know what I mean? Because Olympic sure. lifters still sprint. Yep. Olympic lifters still jump as do power lifters. And everybody's going to say, well, you, you use the conjugate method. And yeah, we jump and that's why we jump. You know what I mean? And so, the only way to really know if this is really benefiting you in the, in the things that you are looking for it to benefit for is to eliminate the other, those things out of your program clean for eight weeks and then be like, okay, you know, did this really help? And if it did great, then, then keep doing it. But my experience would say that there are other factors that also play into it. So am I going to say that box squatting is the only reason why our kids run faster? No. No, it's a contributing factor to me, in, in my opinion. Am I going to say that running flying tens is the only reason why? No, it's a contributing factor. But what we do is we take the things that we feel from a time perspective, from a teaching and execution perspective, and from a placement in our program perspective, these things are the best bang for our buck. So what I want to do, people will ask me, you know, and I've had conversations, Dean, this has been great. Uh, as you know, with our consulting and partnerships with high schools, 
we're, we've had discussions with high school coaches that like to clean. And one of their big fears, Dean, and, and I'm sure you understand this is like, well, we have power clean on a record board. What are we going to do? Oh boy. You know, you know, you know what I mean? And so like those, that conversation and that's, yep. that can be a hard conversation, right? Because kids want their name on the board. Well, that takes a little education. It takes just a little bit of like, Hey, you know what? We feel like this is the best for you guys. So we're taking power clean off the board and we're going to put flying 10 on there, you know, for bigs and, and for skill or for guys and girls or, or changing it to fit the need for your program. I'm not a big believer in record boards very much anyways, but you know, at the high school level, you have them, you know, you, you guys Absolutely. have, so, and kids like to see that. So the coaches will ask me, well, well, what are we going to do instead? And my answer is a dynamic effort method day. And I'm just going to use a, a, a kid. And so if you have a high school kid that squats 400 pounds, okay. Which is, as you and I know, that's, that's in high school, that's a great squat. And people want to say, oh, that's not that much. That's bullshit. Okay. That's, that's a good squat for a high school kid. As long as they're doing it with correct form. Correct. It's a great lift. That's the other thing. I see a lot of stuff on social media, Brian, and you have too. Yeah. We're 400 pounds, a quarter squat or a half squat. Correct. And valgus to the knees. And it, it, it's a recipe for disaster. So yes, I agree. A 400 pound squat is a great squat if it's parallel and it's done with great form. Correct. And that makes it even more elite. And, yep. and elite's a hard word, but a high school kid that can squat 400 pounds, um, I think is a, is an excellent squatter. I don't care how much you weigh. And we yep. had a great conversation with Robert Murdoch, and I've looked at some different data. I, and so with the clean, the clean is multiple movements, okay? Most kids can't hang clean, catch, or power clean 315 and catch it at the top without a full squat. I mean, if you want to maximize what you're getting out of it, and so front squatting also plays into that role. We all know, Dean, you can't front squat what you can back squat. Okay. You just can't. And so I'm even being really generous here on this kid's numbers. I'm going to say the kid's front squat's 365. And so for a 400 pound squatter, it's front squat 365. That's really elite. That's really high level. So let's say then, because, and we all know you can't clean more than you can front squat. Let's say that the kid's clean is 315. And that's a really good clean for a high school kid. Now we don't have a lot of Braylon Allen's running around our state, right? We talked about him off. So, you know, he's the exception, you know, and I think people see stuff like that and they're like, well, God, Braylon Allen. Well, he's the exception. He's an outlier. Okay. So let's hypothetically say you, you clean 315. We know from the dynamic effort method, from the conjugate method, that you're going to do anywhere from 24 to 36 reps on your dynamic effort day at 50% to 60%. So we're going to use the lowest amount, Dean. Okay. 50%. So you got 200 pounds of bar weight plus 25% accommodating resistance, which is bands. So you have an extra hundred pounds of bands on there. That's 300 pounds on the bar. Okay. At the top that you're moving. All right. And we're asking kids, Dean, as you know, the clean, everybody wants to talk about explosive. It's gotta be fast. So we're looking at 0.7 to 0.9 meters per second on every squat, every box squat we're going to do. Let's say we do nine sets of three. All right. That's 27 reps. All right. At 300 pounds, that totals 8,100 pounds moved. And we do it every 30 seconds. So that's within five to six minutes that we do 8,100 pounds moved at, a, at an exceptionally high rate of force. Okay. If you're a 315 pound cleaner, first of all, I, I don't believe that you can clean 245, nine sets of three every 30 seconds at a high speed. 
Okay. So that's not happening. So let's look at on their max effort days and to really try and, you know, to bump up and see what they can do. So if you clean 315, okay, let's say, you know, if your buildup sets, we'll even count some of your lighter buildup sets to even try and get this a little closer for all the people out there that, that want to argue for it. Let's say you do 185 for a set of three. Then you do 225 for a double, 255 for a single, 275 for a single, 295, and then 315. All right. That time to do that is way longer than six minutes. I'm, I'm banking probably in between your sets, you're taking two to three minutes. So you're looking at probably 12 to 15 minutes on the low end to get that amount of work in. In that amount of time, you've only moved 2,100 pounds of weight. And we know that as you work into a max effort scenario, the bar is moving slower and slower. Comboed with that, all right, now you've taken more time to do it. So that's 15 minutes where we did four times the amount of weight faster, which is the goal of explosive movements in a third of the time. The other part with the dynamic effort, Dean, is that we do speed pulls on that day at Sports Advantage as well. So we're doing 10 to 20 speed pulls every 15 to 20 seconds. So if you add another 200 pounds there per speed pull, and that's on the light range with bands, so maybe even 300, you're looking at another three to 4,000 pounds moved at a high rate speed that's 12,000 pounds moved in 10 minutes while everyone else is still cleaning so dean you know what that leaves us time to do jump we jump our kids okay and for those of you that are not following jared bidney or michael fahey on twitter you should be following these guys okay as far as what they're doing with jump training all right so in that 15 minute window dean we've done all our jumps you know sometimes we do weighted jumps Sometimes we do like Westside says, 30 to 40 jumps. Sometimes we'll do different banded jumps. We've done 27 speed squats and anywhere from 10 to 20 speed pulls. And we've moved anywhere from 12 to 15,000 pounds of weight as fast as we can while these guys are still cleaning. That's why we don't clean at Sports Advantage. We get way more out of it. And Dean, to, to a coach, I've talked to three coaches on this. And every high school coach that we've talked to about it, they're like, well, we're going to make this change because this makes sense. It's math. Strength and conditioning, guys, is math when you start to look at it, okay? And so when you break the math down, it's a very simple transition because everybody can sit down to a box. Everybody. You're six. We have fourth and fifth graders that goblet box squat. We have college kids that speed squat to a box. We have eighth graders that use cambered bars to squat in all of our facilities, safety squat bars. Um, so everybody can do this. Everybody can pick a bar up off the floor. Everybody can get on a jump mat and jump as high as they can. So we're taking what we can do with every athlete that we touch and putting it into a system, which in our belief has generated incredible numbers from a vertical jump standpoint. We have two kids in our sports advantage family that jump over 40 inches. We have four more that are 38 and above. We have, I think, over 10 that are over 37 right now. So it's, it's working because that's what we want. Our flying 10s, Dean, are dropping. You put me onto the flying 10s, absolute speed. So all these numbers are starting to fall in line. Our kids are safer. All of our kids can do it, which is so important. All you high school coaches that are running your high school programs, you're bringing these youth athletes in. Teach them how to squat properly. 
teach them how to jump properly, teach them how to run and watch those performance numbers go up. So again, 12 to 15,000 pounds in 15 minutes versus two to 3,000 pounds. And the people that want to argue, well, you could do a dynamic effort clean. Well, how fast, Dean, we talked, the main thing we've talked about is technique. How fast is that technique going to break down in the clean doing that many reps over that short a period of time? There. I've wanted to share this for a long time. <laughs> oh, it, it was a great illustration, a great example, Brian, of, of, of what you just went over. And I think that's so important for coaches to understand. Uh, it's interesting that when people always talk and just when listening to you talk about, hey, our, well, this is what we do. It's on our record board, all this. Hey, strength and conditioning is constantly evolving. I remember, and I was a big hand clean guy, Brian, you know that for in a lot of years of my coaching career. And I noticed when we got away from it is, is kind of when we went into the indoor, we got an indoor facility. And just because it was a situation we could run and we didn't have to worry about chin splints, we weren't in hallways and all this kind of stuff. So it, it just made a, a lot, a, a big difference of other things that we could do in our program. Again, when we look at your program, what's your facilities like, you know, what, how many coaches do you have? How many kids do you have? What's, you know, what's your exercises that you, believe in or you want to do those are all important things but I remember kids said well you know coach Manchie we we do a ton of hand cleans what do you mean we're not going to hand clean anymore I said we're not going to hand clean but coaches I told them this is the reason why we're not going to do it this are the things that we're going to substitute that I feel is going to give us the same benefits that the hand clean does and what you're kind of going over the, the risk versus reward the time that you have to spend in it. And not only, you know, for the athlete learning, you got to coach your coaches up too. And coaches have to put so much more time and education and learn and all of that. And it was just a, such a, a great experience in that, hey, we proved that you don't have to clean and you can and you can jump higher and you can run faster and you you can be successful as an athlete. But I think coaches out there, make sure you tell them the reason why you're changing something. Hey, we're not doing the power clean because we are substituting it with this. Cause we feel, Hey, if your 10 yard, 10 meter fly goes up or whatever test that you put in there, this is, we feel is going to be more beneficial to you and explain that to them. I think that that is a big reason. And a lot of things, reason why I just say is because the last thing I want to do, and I had a son go through the program is you know, everybody's prized possession is their son or daughter. And the last thing we would want to do is get a person hurt in class, in a strength and conditioning class. If you're a teacher or excuse me, if you're after school and you're that supervisor in that weight room on your watch is the last thing we want to do is have that person get injured. And when you're doing a very complex movement like that, obviously your chances are a lot higher, just like you just explained. And how many great athletes I have known when I've had these conversations with coaches and I always tell them, Hey, how many people did you know that went to big time universities even and started to do the Olympic lifts and they ended up getting hurt and how many ended up losing their career, ending their career in the weight room and not on right. the playing field. And it's, it's crazy. Every coach knows somebody a top end division one athlete that ended their career doing these things. So I think college coaches 
strength conditioning coaches have a lot of pressure on them as well. And they kind of fall into the same trap. And if it's happening at the collegiate level, think of the high school athletes that we, that we have. That's a totally different. You're a division one athlete. You're in that top 6% of, you know, of going, being able to go to college and participate in a sport. And now you look at our setting, the high school, and you even got middle school kids. Is it really what you is best for the program? And if somebody gets hurt, can you really justify that you did everything you could to prevent that? And you have got a great progression and a great regression in a great system that is really going to be best suited for that individual. That's something you have to back up, I think, as a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, I mean, I saw it firsthand. You know, I I can share this story. It, it happened in my gym. The, the one kid that's, that's gotten injured in our gyms, okay, was my son. And he was doing a, a power clean. And and he was very well taught at, at the movement. You know, he was a sophomore in high school. And you know, we were, we were doing heavy singles and he hit a, a good single. I said, do another one. Um, and he went to catch it and, you know, he fractured his wrist, you know, he was out, you know, it was a small fracture, so it wasn't, but he was out for six weeks and he missed six, six weeks of training. And that, you know, may have, you know, hindered him from making the varsity as a sophomore, you know? And, and so at the end of the day, that always makes you rethink. And in the weight room, Every time, Dean, every time someone puts a bar in their hand, there's risk. Let's, let's be realistic. Every time you bench and kids, if you, kids, if you're listening, if you don't realize that every time that you bench, that's why we talk about technique so much because you can't just lay down on the bar on, on the bench and grab a bench and start or a bar and start throwing it up or get in the squat rack. That's what we talk about. You know, 95 should look like 500 when you're taking it out, when you're getting set, when you're breathing, when you're bracing, Every rep should look the same. It should be with the same intent and things like that because the weight room is a area where injuries can occur if you are not in tune with what you're doing. And the nice thing, Brian, thankfully for your situation with your son, it was off season. Correct. What if that person would have been in season power cleaning right. at their school and all of a sudden now you lose six weeks of your nine week of your non-conference games, for example, in the game of football. So that, that's two thirds, that's two thirds of your regular season games. If that happens in season. So luckily in your case, it was an off season situation where, Hey, six weeks heal up. And obviously he didn't lose, you know, part season or a lot of his season. One, well, the other thing too, is, you know, one of the things that in that buddy Morris clip, if, you know, for those of you who should watch that, it's on YouTube. Um, one of the things he talks about is that, you know, Olympic lifters, that doesn't make, make you a great football player. You know, otherwise you just go to the Olympic training facility and grab the best Olympic lifters and put them on the football field. Now is strength and explosiveness, a, a primary determinant. Yes. On, on the field, of course it is. But when it comes down to it, when you're, especially at higher levels, college level, pro level guy like Rob Havenstein technique is everything because everybody's strong everybody's pretty explosive. Now you have your Aaron Donalds and you have your TJ Watts that are ultra, you know, explosive guys, high motor guys. But for the most part, it comes down to the technique of the sport. So as high school coaches, you know, at your level, Dean, you see a lot of variety, right? And, and so strength and conditioning is very important at the high school level because you're trying to separate your kids 
um, from other kids because you just want to be stronger and faster. And that gives you a competitive advantage. So again, it comes back down to how much stronger can you get your kids by doing things that they can accomplish? How much faster can you get your kids by doing things that you can accomplish and making sure, all right, that your time is spent at a, at, at a really quality level. Yeah, Brian. I mean, it's, it's the debate is always out there and I know some people are going to listen to this podcast and say, Oh, Hey, I believe in this. I believe in that. We're not saying one is better than the other. We're just giving examples of what works in our programs, you know, at the high school level for myself and for you in the private center at sports advantage. And these are our reasonings and, you know, whatever you choose to do, you know, what you're comfortable with and what works best for you is, you know, that's, we just want to get you kind of thinking out of the box there. If you're doing some things, why are you doing them? And then, you know, what are your progressions? Who are your helpers? How are your athletes? And could you be doing other things? I think sometimes the best part about going to clinics and Brian, when we, you and I talk is always like, well, do we really need to do this? Is there really a lot of bang for the buck? You know, and trying to, you know, step out of the box. And yep, we've changed some things too. We used to do 300 yard shuttles for a test, Brian. And everything evolves and we don't do that anymore. And we, you know, we explain to the kids, hey, how come we don't do 300 yard shuttles? Well, this is our reasoning because we, we feel that there's a better way. And there's nothing wrong as a coach saying, hey, we're going to continually evolve. If we were doing stuff right now, today that I was doing 20 years ago, I, I would really be questioning myself and, and that we are way behind the times. And so just having that conversation with you and having that self-assessment of you and your program as coaches or individually, if you're the strength coach, I think you have to have these constantly all the time and think, hey, what can I do to get that competitive advantage? Well, Dean, I think too, you know, making sure that you're doing it because you have a reason. And I yep. think it comes down to it. You know what I mean? Don't just do it to do it. Don't just do it because Wisconsin football does it. Don't just do it because Clemson does it or Alabama does it. Or don't just do it because, you know, some, you know, because Usain Bolt does something, you know, your kids aren't those guys. Not yet. Most of your kids aren't those guys. Most of your girls, you know, aren't the level of Wisconsin, you know, volleyball program like a Lauren Barnes. So what can you do to just develop the kids and keep them safe and healthy? And that's okay. what we're really talking about, Dean. Now, I firmly believe the way we do it, and I'm going <laughs> to, I firmly believe the way that we do it at Sports Advantage is the best. Um, because we see the results and you believe what you do at Kimberly is the best. And quite honestly, coaches, you should all have that mentality. You should feel like your program is the best because you put the time in and research to what you think you need for your kids. Your kids at your school are different than what they have at Kimberly. Kimberly is different than what we have at Sports Advantage. And that's the beauty of this profession. And I think that's awesome. So coach, uh, we got some Fox Valley throws this summer, correct? Yeah, super excited, Brian. We got some middle school kids signed up already. Some people that have been past club members, high school kids, college kids. You know, we got some newcomers. Again, you know, anybody that wants to get better as a thrower and, and want to join our throwing family, we start June 6th. We're at Kakana High School, so we're outside, you know, having some fun and developing the skills. And I believe the summer is the best time to get better as a high school athlete, college athlete. It is so important to get out there and you got a little bit more time on your hands. You're out there and uh, catching some vitamin D with the sunshine and, and just meeting friends too, Brian. Right. A lot of times people, you do, you meet people from 
different schools and different areas. And it's just a friendship that develops and it just helps everybody get better. And we're super excited to start on June 6th. How about at Sports Advantage? Well, we're really excited. we got our college kids coming back and and we've had a bunch of them start up and, you know, we've got great summer uh, sessions lined up for our kids. And it's the same thing, Dean, I would share with that. The, some of the best times I've had at my gyms over the last eight years are watching kids that are going to compete with each other in the fall, train in the same group and support each other. And that's something that we really foster. You know, when you, when you walk through our doors, you're in red and black, you know, whether you're wearing purple, whether you're wearing red and black at your high school, whether you're wearing green, whether you're wearing blue, whatever you are, you're part of our family and everybody encourages each other. So we absolutely love it. So coaches, uh, hopefully, you know, we gave you some, 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 some thoughts here to think outside the box. And, uh, you know, it's something we firmly believe in uh, from a teaching standpoint. And so, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to message us. You know, that's the other thing, Dean, I think that I want to share is my gym's open to any coach that wants to come visit. And, and sit down with us. We've got uh, a coach coming from your area on Tuesday. Going to be real, you know, great day to spend time. I'll be up in your area here in another week or two uh, to visit with some coaches and, you know, to do some other things that we'll share in a later date. Um, but we're really looking forward to having a great summer. And uh, hopefully this information has helped. We will see everybody next time. Chop it.